Hello and welcome to the host, Nextin's exclusive podcast show, where we speak with some of the world's leading thinkers on topics that shape the world. Today's guest is Mr. Ethan Liu, journalist and author. His book, Field Notes from a Pandemic, was named among CBC's best Canadian nonfiction of 2020, and he was also shortlisted for the Rakuten Kobo Emerging Leader Prize. His writing has appeared in publications around the world including Guardian and the Washington Post. He's a former Reuters reporter and a visiting journalist at the University of British Columbia. His next book, Once a Bitcoin Miner, Scandal and Turmoil in the Cryptocurrency West, is out shortly. Hi, Ethan. Hello, good Hazard. morning. Hi. I am well. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. How is it in Canada? Is it nice and cold? Well, it's cold, but I wouldn't call it nice. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. It's pretty crazy. So we're, hello from Mumbai. We're all the way across the globe where it's about 35 degrees right now. So I know you're a little jealous of us. We're in our shots, but thank you so much for joining us today. You know, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on our podcast. And we'd be in the next 20 minutes, we'd be discussing about cryptocurrency, about your book, Once a Bit Bitcoin Miner and your views on how energy is being used in mining of cryptocurrency. So these are three topics that we're, we're looking to get your thoughts on. But just to get started, Ethan, we'd love to hear your views on the rise of the cryptocurrency market. We know your book is covering the scandal and the turmoil that the market is, has actually faced, but we'd love to hear your views on the rise of the market to start with. Yeah, I think lots of people are pointing to the approvals of the futures ETFs as why Bitcoin has risen again to an all-time high. And I think while that is the that is kind of the spark, there's been a lot of kindling laid. And I think a large part of it has to do with the pandemic. I think inflation has just gone on in a in a bit of a runaway fashion. And in Argentina, for example, I have read that the government was going to step in and freeze grocery prices for 90 days. And in what kind of a world will you see that kind of headline? And in Venezuela, people are shaving off gold flakes to pay for things and additional investment hedge. And I think this is the ripe sort of climate for, for Bitcoin to thrive. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. And what do you feel about the energy resources? You know, there's been so much talk about uh, energy consumption, you know, the whole process of mining. Where do you think that's moving towards? Where do you think, you know, there could potentially be a change or some kind of innovation in terms of where cryptocurrency is mined? Yeah, so I feel this is a, this is a very complicated idea. So I, I think if you want to hash this all out, we'll be here all day. This is not something that's small or simple. And I, I think at its heart, the criticism of Bitcoin's energy use, it's a bit of a subjective value judgment. And I, I have this story I, I read on Twitter once that there was this law professor, she actually teaches Bitcoin. So, and she, she lives in Texas and Texas, the electricity grid is very bad. Uh, it got knocked out by a winter storm and in the summer peak demand. And she was saying, I wonder how much uh, of Texas energy is being used for Bitcoin mining because I'm being told to not use my dryer. There was uh, someone res who responded to her and he said, why is your dryer more important than my Bitcoin? And, you know, she, she thought about it and she actually responded. Yeah, you know, good question. And 
Dryas, they, they use it Dryas in the US alone, they use more energy than Bitcoin users uh, globally. But people don't criticize Dryas because it's very understandable. We have used Dryas for decades and we understand their utility and purpose. But I think most people don't understand Bitcoin's utility and purpose. And, and that's the issue. Uh, that's where the energy criticism comes from. You know, I think we have this idea that certain things that we use, they deserve to use that much electricity, but certain things don't. Uh, I think we have to look at that before we look at Bitcoin's, elect Bitcoin's footprint. Understood. Understood. That's a very valid point. And that's a, it's a wonderful story. What do you feel, what is the role of renewable energy in, in, in mining? Do you believe that the future uh, for mining is essentially through renewable energy? Is it already playing a, a large part? Or do you see it playing a huge role in the next five or 10 years? Well, I think we haven't forced this examination so strictly on any other activity. So, you know, what is the future of renewable energy in mining? I would say, what is the future of renewable energy in, in everything else we do? If you stream the song Despocito, that actually use, uses more electricity than five African countries combined. So I, I, I do believe in a future of renewable energy, but not just for mining, I think, uh, in, in everything we do. Wonderful. You about the scandal and turmoil of, of cryptocurrency in the Wild West. Could you talk us through your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I guess one of the highlights of the book, uh, I think what some people find most interesting is that I ended up in North Korea for a, a cryptocurrency conference. And someone who went with me, he was a big shot at the Ethereum Foundation. His name is Virgil Griffith. And he recently pleaded guilty to helping North Korea try to break sanctions through, through blockchain at, at that very conference. And he took a plea deal for six and a half years in prison in the U.S., and so this all stems from how the U.S. is, I think, increasingly worried that crypto is a, is a tool for, for countries like North Korea to evade sanctions. So I think increasingly this is something with geopolitical connotations. Wonderful. And which countries do you think, except the U.S., are leading race in terms of mining cryptocurrency, uh, mining Bitcoin, for the example? Or, uh, you know, where do you think the future lies? Do uh, you think there's going to be a shift from the U.S. to another country or another region? Or do you think the U.S. is still going to be the leader in, in, in cryptocurrency in the next five or ten years? Mm -hmm. So if we want to talk purely in terms of mining, uh, we know that it used to be China leading the pack. And I think it's actually a very good thing that they are now all out of China. Because I, I don't think the centralization of all those miners in China that's a good thing because what makes Bitcoin valuable is that it's decentralized because whoever can control all the miners, they control the network. And I think right now the U.S. is leading. I do see a lot of post-Soviet countries, uh, you know, the, the Eastern European countries picking up on this mining thing, but maybe not so much absolute volume. Uh, they, I don't think they can compete with the U.S. on that, but maybe on a, on a proportional basis, I, I would see more mining rise in those areas. Would you suggest that countries in the Southeast Asian region would be uh, more beneficial for mining than uh, the Eastern European countries? Because you could potentially, the, the cost of energy and electricity is comparatively lower, and that could be an advantage. Do you think the future, there is a future for mining in, in Southeast Asia? I actually wouldn't say the, the cost of energy is lower, because I, I think in a lot of Southeast Asian countries, uh, the 
energy use is subsidized by the government. And uh, I'm not that educated on this, but I know, for example, in Indonesia, the fuel is subsidized heavily by the government, I think in Malaysia as well. And I, I don't think that's a that's a good source of energy for, for, for mining, uh, especially in, in the government's perspective that they're thinking we are essentially paying for the electricity and you're taking advantage of that. I think in a lot of Latin American countries, the government held that view and they were cracking down heavily on mining. And also the, the climate in Southeast Asia, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit hot. And oh, like we were discussing just now, and mining actually benefits very well in cold weather. That's pretty interesting because I think that's where the Eastern European countries would actually have a benefit in terms of the weather. Okay, excellent. So we'd love to hear a little more about your book. When is it coming out? A little bit on, on what, what it covers. And we'd love to have a copy of it to read it. When will it be available on Amazon? A little more details about that. Uh, and, and we'd love to hear it from you. So th- this book, it follows the journey of uh, an early investor, me. And I not only was I an early investor, I'm, uh, I'm also a journalist. So I used to write for Reuters. I write a column in the Financial Post now. So I, I guess it immerses you in that world. I started investing in 2013, but... It's also told in a narrative fashion. It's driven by plot and characters. It's, uh, I think it's a good way for people to get into to crypto, to know that world, but not be bogged down by too much like technical details. And yeah, it's uh, meant to read like a novel and it's available. I should say it came out uh, last week, but I, I know it's, I think there are only two copies left on, on Amazon uh, right now. The quite a lot of supply chain uh, issues. I, I think if you order it now, it might take uh, a week or two uh, for it to get there, maybe two, three weeks. Wow. I should also say, if you hate Amazon, try ordering it from your local independent bookstore. Okay. Okay. That's, 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 a good, that's good advice. Wonderful, Ethan. Uh, just to conclude, what would be your advice for someone who's looking to enter the crypto market in terms of investing? Would you have one piece of advice for someone that's new to the market? Because we've seen you know, great traction in terms of an increase in the number of investors. We're obviously seeing the prices of various cryptocurrencies, not just Bitcoin, but even Ethereum, you know, go up in the last couple of weeks. A lot of people predict, predicting on Twitter and various other social media and, and, and journals that there is going to be a rise or they're predicting certain prices uh, is it a good time to enter? What would be your advice, your one piece of advice for, for a new cryptocurrency investor? Well, if it's just one piece of advice, I would say the best time to enter is yesterday, but do not try to time the market. They have this thing called dollar cost averaging. Just go at it slowly. Yeah, if you time, try to time the market, you always end up on the wrong side of history. That's fair. Wonderful. It was a pleasure speaking to you. It's been it's been it's been a short and and but a very uh, informative conversation. And we're looking forward to getting our hands on your book uh, very soon. I don't think it's available in India, but you know we will potentially have to order it online. Is there a a, a digital version of it as well? Oh yeah, I, I guess if you if you get the ebook or that's the audio book as well. If oh, you okay. get if, if you get that, you you get that immediately. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So we'll, we'll get our hands on that as soon as possible. Thank you so much, Ethan. It's been a pleasure and I wish you a lovely day ahead. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. All right. Thank you so much. Speak soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. Do feel free to browse to our library of podcasts and gain access to insights on a range of industries. If you would like to learn more about our services, 
please drop us a line on info at nextin.com. That is I-N-F-O at N-E-X-T-Y-N dot com. Ciao.